we are the only church in the world right now that's talking about Easter. Okay, that might not be true. But we've decided that we're going to do our Easter stuff and we're going to do it starting from Easter instead of ending at Easter. And so that's why we're, we're still looking at this, if you will. We're uh, in a series now called Red Letter Days. And those are the days, uh, Red Letter Day, the days that we, uh, we're focusing on what Jesus was saying when he was on the cross. Um, he had a couple of key statements there that are really important. And so we want to look at that. So as we get started, just a couple of things I wanted to bring you up to speed on. This is our third service here which is awesome, but it's a constant learning thing for us. And so we were learning some of the dynamics of the building and how it works and uh, trying to figure out what to do. So for those of you who don't know, first of all, my name is Graham. Hey, I'm glad you're here. It's awesome. Um, This is a way to get to the basement and there is a bathroom right at the bottom of this stair. But um, we also have a door at the back. And the back rooms in the past had been uh, storage for the library. They were doing their big book sale, and so they were storing stuff here. And so it was kind of messy and chaotic back there. So we would like to say that you can also use this door to go downstairs, and that will take you down the back, down a hallway, through another doorway, and then you're going to walk back to the bathroom, which is at this end. But then you don't feel like this is so weird. We're just going to say, please keep the doors shut on this side because it's kind of a sound tunnel. So that's just a little bit of uh, housekeeping for us to get used to. We've been trying to do different things. We want to try this one out, see how that works for you. Um, if you're here today and you're one of the people who got one of our, uh, our paper copies of the handout, you can follow along on what we're going to do in there. And we'll put some notes up on the screen for you. But also, if you are a person who has a web-enabled smartphone, you can use that to follow along. There's a free app called Uversion. If you download Uversion, you can get that. And then in the bottom right corner of the app, there is a button that says more, tap more, events. Events is what will, there's a listing and events will be on there. If you follow um, through that way, you can have events that show up and you can have all of the, inf- oh, you're going to search for a location that's near you and into one should come up. And then you tap on, it'll have all of our announcements are in there as well. All of the sermon uh, notes will be in there, and you can follow along. You can also save those, so if you're making notes in your phone, you can have access to them through this later on. We have guest Wi-Fi available now. We've changed the, the, uh, the connections. Last week we had some complications, so um, there should be a slide that comes up somewhere in there that tells you how to sign in and how to follow along with that as well. Uh, We want you to know what's going on. So if you did get one of our paper copies, there's a fold-out section. There's a tear-off that you can tear off. And in there is a place where you can put your name, your information, any of your contact stuff. Just let us know that you were here if you're visiting. And then if you want, flip it over on the back side, and there's a communication side. So if you wanted to communicate with us, anything you wanted to ask for someone to pray with you, you want, you have a question you want answered, um, some sort of communication, you're interested in becoming baptized, whatever, there is a place for you to fill that out. And then at the back, the back of the back of the backity back back, there is a table and a little basket. And that basket is where you can put those communication cards when you're done with them. It's also the same place you can put an offering. If you would like to do that, there's a box at the back for the offering. And there are envelopes back there as well so that you can uh, make sure your tax receipted if you like the online kind of stuff, you can give online through our website, into1.ca. There's a Donate Now button. If you're going to use the version um, event, there's also a place that you can tap on within that app that'll take you right to the giving page so that that can all be done. And because we had some people who are asking, it's finally set up, you can do direct debit if you would like to as well. All right? I don't want to uh, spend too long on that, but I want to let you know some of the things that have changed and some of the things that are going on.
This is still a getting used to process. We are not done. Oh, we're so close to not being done. You know, like there's so much that we still have to do. So we really appreciate the support that you've provided us in terms of your labor, your expertise, your generosity. It's been fantastic. But I have to tell you, we're not done. With the new season coming on, there's a whole lot of new things that are going to open up for us. So there are new possibilities. If you have skills, we need them. And it's sort of any department that you can think of, we need them. We need to make sure that we're also developing our arts side. It's not just a physical labor side. We have some labor, but we need some skills, but we want to develop our arts side as well. So if you're interested in that sort of thing, we would love to talk to you about that and finding a way for your skills, your gifts, your talents, your artistic abilities to be used. We would like this to be an expression of us and what we do and what God has given to us. We were looking for ways to do that better. Okay, enough of that. Pray with me. God, we came here today to meet with you. So I pray that you would meet with us. Be in this place, Holy Spirit. You are welcome to come. You are welcome to speak. You are welcome to move. You are welcome to convict. We came here to be changed. And so we ask that you would do that. You would change us, we pray. As we now try to listen specifically to your word and to what you have to say, God, I pray that you would speak through me today and that you will speak um, to me as well. For my friends, the same thing. Speak to them this morning and then speak through them as well. We pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen. We've had Good Friday. We've had Resurrection Sunday. The story goes on. That was really the beginning of so much of what happened. That was the birth or the beginning of the birth of the church. And we become part of that birth. And that focus on what happens there is so central to understanding who we are and what we want to become that I wanted to take some more time to look at some of the things that Jesus said when he was on the cross. The first one I wanted to look at today, we're going to go to Matthew chapter 27. That's where we're going to be for the most part. So if you're going to use a hard Bible, uh, hard copy, Matthew 27 is where we're going to be for the most part. Notes are in your papers and they'll be on the screens as well. Starting at verse 37. Above Jesus' head, they placed the written charge against him. This is Jesus, the King of the Jews. And understand as they were doing that, they were not being kind. They were not honoring Jesus. They were mocking him. That was a sign of mockery. They were making fun of him. Yeah, yeah, whatever. This is what you said. Look at where you are, king of the Jews. This is what happens for people who stand against Rome. So in that, understand what's happening there. They they were not being friendly to him. Um, It goes on. Two robbers um, were crucified with him. One on his left, one on his right. Those who passed by, even on the ground, hurled insults at him, shaking their heads and saying, you who are going to destroy the temple and build it in three days, save yourself. Come down off the cross if you are the Son of God. Again, quoting what he had said earlier, they're going back to him and saying, you remember when you said this? You said you were going to do this, so now look where you are. Look what's happening to you. Where's your God in the middle of this? We go on to verse 41. In the same way, the chief priests, the teachers of the law, and the elders mocked him. He saved others, they said, but he can't save himself. He's the king of Israel. 
let him come down from the cross and we'll believe in him. And the next four words really hit the heart of their mockery when they say, he trusts in God. You think about this for a second. Understand the context of where they are. Jesus is on the cross. These people are on the, on the ground. He trusts in God. Think about in your head, if you were one of those people, how would you say that? How would you say he trusts in God? Which tone of voice would you be using in this place? Okay? Think about it, because then I'm going to ask you to say it out loud. You all know the words. It's not going to be tricky. But how would you say this? Okay? One, two, three. There's so many different ways, right? Outright mockery. Maybe a little bit more thoughtful. Maybe a little bit more questioning. Maybe some anger in there. He trusts in God. They're saying, where is your God? You're still going to trust in God? I mean, you're hanging on a cross. How could this be if your God is who he says he is? If what you said was true, then how could this be true? He trusts in God. Let God rescue him now if he wants him. For he said, I am the son of God. And that question goes in deeply again. Where is your God now? And now admittedly, if you were looking at Jesus hanging on the cross, you might say something like they did as well. He trusts in God? Where is his God now? Because if you could have seen Jesus at this time, you'd be deeply disturbed. Uh, scripture tells us clearly what they did to Jesus. They beat him badly for an extended period of time. They abused him so severely that people could say he didn't look like a human being. He trusts in God. Is this what you get when you trust in God? We like the thought that goes along, when I trust in God, this will never happen to me. That the promise is somehow that God guarantees that we will never ever have hard things. If we're connected with God, then it's all good all the time forever. And this is the question that's going on for those people on the ground. As much as there's mockery, as much as there's anger, there's questioning, what does this mean? What if, how come you still trust in God? Trusts, that word that they use, he trusts in God, it comes from a Greek word, it's called uh, uh, pytho, and it means to convince, to rely on with inward certainty, to have full confidence or complete trust. This is what they were describing of Jesus. He trusts in God. He has complete confidence in God. And yet it seems that everything around him argues against the reason for that trust. If God was trustworthy, then this wouldn't happen. Right? When we write the question ourselves, we have a way of putting ourselves in the center. I should always have good things because if good things are there, then God likes me. This is not the way the story goes. You still trust in God? And maybe this is a question that you've heard for yourself. And you look at the things that you're going through or have gone through and you say, how can God be involved? What about this? 
Where is God now? And other people will say it to you. I, I know that at one time you thought that was important, but look at what happened. Where's your God now? Do you trust in God? It's very, very easy to trust in God when things are going well. When we tell you the stories of what's happening in Into One in the last year, oh my goodness, the list of things that have been fantastic is staggering. Okay? There's just great things that have happened. God has provided, God has moved, lives have been changed. We, we, we got a building given to us. Like, don't misunderstand what happened there. God provided for us in an incredible way. And so we can say right now, oh man, it's easy to trust God. Look what he's doing in our midst for pity's sake. But when the dark comes, when the clouds roll in and they cover the sun, when the rain starts, do you really trust God? When it goes dark, the same things feel different. And somehow you've got to come to an answer for this for yourself. Do you trust God because things are good or do you trust God? They are not the same thing. They are very different. It's one of the most fundamental questions in life because it will define how you are able to live, how you are able to endure, how you're able to excel. Do you trust God? From the beginning of creation, every force in hell has been working and undermining the character, authority, nature, and goodness of God. They are always asking, and you know it because it's in your mind. These questions keep coming back to you. You hear them again, and you'll hear them from other people as well. They say, do you really believe that? Do you really trust God? Did he really say that? Why would he say that? Did he really say that you couldn't eat from that tree? Why would he do that? It's not a direct accusation. It's just a questioning mindset that undermines this trust in God. Why would he be like that? I can remember when we went uh, camping. We went camping with Merlin. It was easier when there was just one. Uh, anyone out there who can give me an amen? <laughs> it's easier. <laughs> I see that hand, girl. <laughs> and uh, during the day, he, would, he owned our campsite. Like, he, he, was, he got his gear on. He had his headlamp. Sometimes he'd wear the headlamp during the day just so he was rigged up. He'd have his, his little vest on, and he wanted badges on it. And he, he ruled the campground. He'd like to walk around the area, and he'd explore a little bit and go into, around some of the trees and bushes and, and, and things like that. And, and he felt great about the place. He loved being outside. And as you do when you're camping, well, we, we slept in a tent. And the night comes, and if you have a child, there is a switch that... I don't know exactly when it is, but I think it's 2 a.m., 3 a.m. It's the I have to go pee switch, right? You, you know that it's coming, and he'd wake up, I gotta go pee. And camping is awesome because there's a toilet. It's right nearby. It's just a short walk. <laughs> a brief 10-minute walk to get to wherever the bathroom is going to be. And so we'd get him up, and we'd take him outside, and he'd want the headlamp on, and he would stay close. And he'd look around. He'd, he'd look as close as he can to see, what, to see what's happening around him. Because this, the same area that he played in, the same one that he explored and felt like he was in charge and in control, was now different. And he'd only walk in the center of the road. He didn't want to get too close to one side. And we'd walk down to where the bathrooms were. 
And I had this phrase that I kept saying to him that he picked up and he held on to. Because when he came outside and his, his little headlamp shone, you'd, you'd look around and sometimes things reflect light. And those raccoons, the eye shine that comes back off their eyes is terrifying. Who knows what's there? And if there's one, there's probably a thousand. And whatever you have, they want. And he'd look at that and he'd be nervous. And I'd say, don't forget in the dark what you believe in the light. Nothing about this campground changed because the light changed. The same place that you played in, the same place that you had fun in, is exactly the same now that it's dark. But it's easier in the light. It's easier when the sun is out. And the, the same is true for us as we go along, as we live in our lives. Don't forget in the dark what you believe in the light. When the challenging times come, and I don't say if, I say when, God has promised us there will be challenging times. The levels of the challenge vary. And for some of you right now, I know there are significant challenges. Don't forget in the dark what you believe in the light. Speaking of the dark, this is what the Bible says about the dark that was happening on the cross at this time. Verse 45, from the sixth hour until the ninth hour, darkness came across the land. Midnight darkness at midday. In the ninth hour, Jesus cried out in a loud voice. In the Greek language, this word that we read as cried out, it, it lacks some of the emotion. It's screaming. That's what's happening. It's screaming. He had endured all the abuse of men without complaining, all the torture, all the ridicule, the false trial, the, uh, the mockery, the crown of thorns, the scourging, the crucifixion actions. He had endured them all. But now, the moment God withdrew his presence, Jesus cries out and he's screaming. And this is one of the only places that they don't bother to translate the words. And so it comes out as, Eloi, Eloi, lama sabachthani. I go, that sounds awesome. Whatever, whatever that means. Like, I don't know. And in the middle of the darkness, he screams out, my God, my God, Why? Have you forsaken me? He didn't say that when they beat him. He didn't say that in the false trial. He didn't say that with the crown of thorns rammed onto his head. He didn't say that when they nailed his hands to the cross. He didn't say that as man did their worst. He didn't complain. But that moment, something else happened. Something other occurred. <laughs> and I don't know if you've noticed this, but if you read through the New Testament, Jesus, when he's interacting with God through prayer, or even when he's speaking to other people, he almost always says, Father. Or the other more personal term is Abba, Daddy, uh, Papa. This is the way, this is the relationship that he speaks of with God. And now here he says, my God, my God, why? And this is perhaps one of the saddest verses in the Bible. This is the place where we hear clearly the humanity of Jesus screaming out in a way 
That's all too familiar. We understand this incredibly well. When it goes dark, when we don't understand, we ask why. And we hear that in Jesus and we resonate with that because we say, I know what that's like. That's where we all live sometimes. One time or another, we are going to be in a place where all that comes to our mind is why. I don't understand. And the reality is that we, first of all, have to understand that we are not always going to understand. There's the secret. You want to, know how to, you want to have a great relationship with God? Understand that you're not always going to understand everything. It's a process. It's a direction. It's ongoing. The truth of the matter is we only ever see part of the story. And in the moment that we are there, we are incredibly focused on that moment in that space, in this time, in the pain that we feel, in the, in the discontent, in the unfairness, the injustice of it all. What we see is that moment. We, we, we have some ability to remember the past, although we forget it. We have no ability to see the future. And when we imagine the future, we always imagine it going wrong. You stop and think about that. You stop and think about every time you think about the future, you don't see Jesus in your future. You see things going as they are with a decline. Something's going to go wrong. You don't imagine things getting better. You don't imagine God's intervention. You don't imagine that God has a plan. His plan is now in the future. I just don't know. I imagine that it goes wrong. We only ever see part of the story. Paul's very clear. He describes it this way. If you look at 1 Corinthians chapter um, 13, when he's comparing uh, now with eternity, he says, now we see but a poor reflection as in a mirror. Then we shall see face to face. Now I know in part. Then I shall know fully, even as I am fully known. And the truth is, I just can't understand it all right now. I can try, but it's, it's, it's a little bit like this. There's, there's a word. Can you put up my word, please? If I put this up to you, what do you see? Many of you could say there's one word, and the word is nowhere. You only see part at the beginning. And a lot of people say when things get hard, when things get dark, they see God is... Nowhere to be found. I don't sense him. I don't see him. But others, as you get closer to God, as your life connection grows to him, your maturity in faith grows, you are able to see the same word. And when it has to do with God, you no longer see nowhere. And you now have the sense clearly in my darkest times when things have gone awry, God is now here. It's not the same. It doesn't feel the same. But you have been given a gift of understanding that God is now here. Even though I don't understand it, He is here. Even though I don't understand it, He is here. Even though it's hard and it hurts, and I don't know if there's going to be an end to my hurt, He's now here. We are often, often incapable of understanding God's divine purpose. Yes, in our pain. Here's what God says in Isaiah chapter 55. For my thoughts are not your thoughts, 
Neither are my ways your ways, declares the Lord. As the heavens are higher than the earth, so are my ways higher than your ways and my thoughts than your thoughts. But the good news is that God's word tells us what to remember when you don't understand. Here's a declaration. You want a phrase that you can keep in your head when things seem to roll in and you got badness coming in. You want to reset your mind. You want to refocus it. Here's a phrase. Here's a, a collection that you can put together. God is good. God is for me. God is with me. God is good. God is for me. God is with me. Try it. God is good. God is for me. God is with me. These things remain true. How do we get from a place in life where we feel like God is nowhere to be found in the circumstance and then to a place where, where even through the doubt, how will this ever come through? Life moves. Those curveballs come at us. I didn't see that coming. Things change. How do we get from nowhere to the sense that God is now here? Part of the strategy is to hold on to our God who is unchanging. His character remains the same. That's what we do. We focus on God and His character. We focus on who we know. When you have a hard time at home and there's someone that you can trust there, maybe it's your mom, maybe it's your dad, maybe it's Uncle Jim, whoever it is, you have somebody somewhere. And, and you don't think about what that person does as a profession. You don't think about what they like to eat. You just say, I can trust my dad. I can remember those things. You go, here, here is all my bad. I don't, I don't know what I'm going to do with it right now. But somehow, it's better because dad's right there. What's he going to do? I don't even know. But dad's there. Mom's there. And Bessie. She's always been there. And, and somehow, it helps us to come through it. In every life, winds will change direction. Storms of life begin to blow. Challenges come in and they don't often mail you in advance. Curveballs arrive and you thought you saw it, you thought you understood it, and then something just shifted. You came across betrayal. Not just everything seemed okay, I was in the midst of trusting Trusting that person, trusting that place. And my life was solid and constant. And as much as there were other things that went wrong, I could trust and I could depend on this one thing. And then you met face-to-face -face betrayal. And everything fell. Things happened that you didn't expect. And all of a sudden, holding on to God looks more like this. That white knuckle kind of grabbing. Have you ever been in a place that that's where it turned to? Sometimes in life you get to the place where that, that chaos and that hurt and that confusion, they are so great that holding on to God leaves you with white knuckles and a worn out spirituality. And you're exhausted at the end of the day. And all you did was hang on. What to remember when you don't understand. First of all, God is good. Mark chapter 10, no one is good except God. So when we get an understanding, you think, I'm doing pretty good. I'm a good person. Understand, He is good. He is what good is. Why is that important? Because we tend to project our present situation onto God. When we're confused and when things happen that we don't understand, we say, God, 
Why have you left me in this place? I don't get it. Where are you? Why am I here? When things happen that are bad, sometimes we think maybe God isn't good because this is happening. But our God transcends circumstance. And that's what we hold on to. This is one of the classic places that people come to when they have a struggle with God. The struggle with God is, if God is good, then why? Then how come? If God is good, then... And you fill in the blank because it happens quite frequently, especially if there's something new that's occurred in someone's life, something new and hard. This is the new evidence to say that God cannot be good. But in the midst of cancer, God is good. In the midst of abuse, in the midst of hurt that is so deep, so comprehensive that we can't even explain it, things that will affect our lives forever, either to us or around us, God is good. In grieving a loss, God is good. In war, in atrocious things like genocide, God is good. God is still God. God is still good. He is forever good. He will never change. He is always good. We remember, we cling to this, that God is always good. The second thing is God is for me. Romans 8, Paul says, if God is for us, who can be against us? And I want you to think of just how ridiculous this idea is. It's unbelievable that the God who authored everything, who wrote the whole plan, who's, who, who, who wrote the book on us, he's the beginning and the end. The Bible says the Alpha and the Omega. The, um, he is the great I Am. He breathed the stars and put them into place. And Scripture says in multiple places he is for you. Why? I don't know why, but that's what he has decided. He is for you. God created everything, and He is for you. What circumstance, what event can overcome that? What event would have the audacity to expect that it could even phase you because your God is your advocate? He is the one who believes in you more than anyone else. He has a dream and a purpose for you. And it's beyond the confusion of today. It's beyond the moment of right now. We hold on to that and we remember that our God is always good and he is always for us. Finally, my God is with me. Hebrews 13, it tells us, never will I leave you. Never will I forsake you. Never. That's good news. No matter how alone you may feel, no matter how betrayed you may have been, God promises that He will never, ever leave. Regardless of what you do, regardless of what has been done to you, regardless of where you try to go, you will never be able to leave Him, and He will never leave you. He is for you. He is good. God stays with us, and in staying with us, He teaches us that the goal that He will empower us to achieve is that we will overcome, we will bear up under, and we will come through if we don't give up. God forsook and left His Son 
so that he would never have to leave and forsake you. So even when we don't understand, we can always remember that God is good, that he is for us and that God is with us. He will never leave us or forsake us. So the question for you is this, do you trust God? It's easy to trust God in the light. It's much more difficult to trust God when life gets dark, when life seems to stay dark. But don't forget in the dark what you believe in the light. Proverbs 3 tells us this, that we are to trust in the Lord with all of your heart. Lean not on your own understanding. You're not going to be able to understand everything. But in all of your ways, acknowledge him and he will make your paths straight. That word in Hebrew that's translated as, as acknowledge is actually the word yada. We're more familiar with hearing it as yada, as in yada, yada, yada. That's the way we know it, but this is a much more powerful way to hear it. It says, yada, in all your ways, yada, God, know God. In all your ways, know him. In all you do, yada, God. In all your ways, know him. Even when you don't understand, know God, yada, God. And he will make your paths straight. And here's what I've found, um, not done finding, but here's what I've been finding the better I get to know God, the less I ask why. The better I know God, the more I ask what. Instead of God, why is this happening? God, why are you doing this? Why aren't you doing what I want you to do? The better I get to know God, the more I ask what. God, what is it that you're doing? God, what is it that you want me to see that I'm not seeing? God, what is your purpose? God, what is the plan that is being worked out even now? When so many people say God is nowhere to be found, it's becoming easier. The habit is growing where I can disagree and say, no, God is now here. You may ask, why did God forsake Jesus? My God, my God. Why have you forsaken me? And I think Paul gives us an answer in 2 Corinthians 5. It says that God made him, Jesus, who had no sin, to be sin for us. Jesus became sin. What's your purpose, God? Why would you do that? So that in him, we might become the righteousness of God. Why did God forsake Jesus? Because Jesus became sin on the cross. At that moment, he felt the change. Things were different because on the cross, he became sin and he became rape. He became murder. He became adultery. He became lust. He became lying. He became pornography. He became cheating. He became racism. He became hatred. He became every other sin that the world has ever known, that has ever existed. It became him. He was there. He saw what happened. He saw the distance that created. Jesus became sin, and sin always pulls away from God. He died for our sins so that our sins can be forgiven. When everyone around the cross didn't understand what was going on, God made him sin so that we can become the righteousness of God in Christ. So no matter what you're going through, 
no matter what you've come through, never, ever forget that God is good, that God is for you, and that God will never, ever leave you. Don't give up. Pray with me. God, we find great comfort in the words of your son Jesus on the cross. Knowing that he understands what it's like for us. Even when he asks why, we see your divine hand. We see your purposes leading every step of the way. Help us, God, to trust you. To trust you truly, deeply, even in the darkness. For you right now, you may be looking at something that is, uh, it's hard, it's heavy, it's dark. And you're thinking, I really don't understand why this is happening right now. It's easy to trust God when things are going well. But when things aren't going well, sometimes it's difficult to trust God, frankly. We don't see, we don't understand. If you're in a really difficult place right now, and you say to yourself, I really need someone to pray for me, I would love to pray for you. If that's what you are experiencing right now, just give me a little sign, just a little hand or something like that, and we'll pray for you right now. Someone like that, you're feeling, this is me, I'm in a heavy place, this is too much for me. All right, let's do that, let's pray. God, I thank you that you know the details of every single situation that we have admitted to publicly and the ones that we haven't admitted to publicly. You know what's going on with us. And more than that, you care deeply about what's going on. And God, as painful as life can be, we acknowledge that sometimes in these lonely spots, these times of questioning, that you become all that we have. And I pray that you would give us the gift of understanding that you are all that we need. God, I pray that in this season of question, this season of hurt, that your presence would be enough. That right now your Holy Spirit would touch every hurting heart. God, may your peace, your peace that is beyond human understanding, may it guard our hearts and our minds in Christ Jesus. God, even if we never ever understand on this side of eternity what happened or why, Help us to trust you. God, we pray that you would help us to do that because even in that, we're going to need your help. And you will do that because you are always good, because you are truly for us, and because we can be forgiven because you would never, ever, ever leave us. You would never forsake us, God. Thank you for this. Send your spirit to provide the comfort that we need and the strength to endure and to go forward. Thank you in Jesus' name. Amen.